Book of Colossians in chapter 3. Book of Colossians in chapter 3. Appreciate the presence and the prayers of each one this morning. We do have a lot to adore Jesus for. The, not only did He come as the probably, and I, I wasn't there, I don't know, but they say that He was probably the cutest baby ever born uh, because He was half God and half man. Or 100% God and 100% man. But the, the fact that He came down out of heaven to live a life here, to, to come out of a perfect place is enough to adore Him for and enough to love Him for. Because He loved us exactly that much. And He called us to do something for Him. He, he called us to be witnesses. He called us to serve Him. He called us to spread His message and, and glorify His kingdom upon this earth. And in Colossians in chapter 3 and verse 23, He tells us a little bit more about how to do that. Colossians in chapter 3, Verse 23, the Bible says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather at your house this morning. God, we thank you for the wonderful song service Sunday school we've been a part of. God, I pray that you... Now be with us throughout the remainder of this service, God. I pray that you'd help us, God, as we'd open your word, God, that we could open our hearts to be able to receive what you'd have to say to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. God, I pray most of all for be a lost one among us this morning. They can see their need of a Savior, God, because they can see their lost and undone condition. And that they will believe on your Son, Jesus Christ, before it be everlasting too late. God, be with those gas interests in our prayers this morning. Those lost loved ones, you know the needs of each one. Forgive us what we fail you. Continue to help us be what we should be. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Bible says in verse 23, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. Anybody in here do anything kind of half-heartedly? Things that we don't really care for that much? We kind of halfway do, especially whenever it comes to a Friday and you're a teacher and you really don't want to teach, so you decide to play dominoes and call it teaching the kids math. It works. That's whenever you're doing something half-heartedly half or whenever I'm doing something half-heartedly. Maybe all teachers don't do that. Uh, but whenever it comes down to a half a day on Friday, we I, I've lost my zeal. I'm just about worn out. So if I begin to do things kind of half-heartedly, when it comes to things of the world, it's, it's not too awful bad to sometimes do things half-heartedly. But my dad always said, and I've heard it all my life, anything worth doing is worth doing right. And that goes way beyond just a, a formal job. That goes to being a part of a family. That goes to being a part of a church. That goes to, to something that you enjoy doing or something that you don't enjoy doing. Anything worth doing is worth doing right. And the Bible here says in verse 23, whatsoever ye do. So that word whatsoever is the kicker of, of the whole thing. He don't say that the things that you like, the things that you enjoy, do them heartily. The Bible don't say that. The Bible don't say the things that you do for God, do them heartily. The Bible don't say the things that you do for the church, do it heartily. The Bible don't say the things you do for mission work, do it heartily. The Bible says whatsoever you do, whether you do it for the church or not, whether you do it for your family or not, whether you enjoy it or not, whatsoever you do, do it heartily. That goes from, from weed eating and a gravel flower bed that nobody enjoys to, to going fishing, to do it all heartily. But the thing about it is it don't stop right there. Whatsoever encompasses everything, both the good and the bad. The word heartily comes from, uh, uh, I'll give you the simple definition, it means with all sincerity. 
means completely and totally giving over to it. If, if you're going to do something, then you might as well do it right. Now, you got some people, and, and I'm not going to call names, but my wife is one of those people that, that gives 110%. And if it's possible to go a little bit overboard, there's a very, very good chance that she does it. And it's not uh, of any fault of her own. Most of the time, she does a great job. But, but she'll go just a little bit further than what I would have done. That's because she's doing it more heartily than me. She's doing it with more sincerity than me. But the thing about this is, is that whatsoever you do, do it heartily. That next phrase right there is what catches us all by surprise. That next phrase is, as to the Lord. Whether it's good, whether it's something you don't enjoy, whether it's like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, a, a, a part of the world, whether it's something of the world, it, it, regardless of what it is, do it heartily as to the Lord. Do it heartily in all sincerity. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse, verse 5 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And so if we're going to do anything heartily to the Lord, we have to first do it in love. Whether we absolutely hate it or not, we have to do it in love as to God. Whenever we're helping somebody that we really don't want to help, the Bible says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily. Whether it's something that we don't particularly enjoy or whether it is something we get a lot of pleasure out of, do it as to the Lord. Like we're helping out God. Like I say like God is watching. He is. He always is. Do it in love. Psalms chapter 119 verse 2 says to do it in obedience. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. If we're going to do anything heartily as unto the Lord, we have to do it all in love and we have to do it all in obedience. If I'm going to obey my parents, I don't obey half of what they say. Otherwise, I'm not, I'm not listening. I'm not paying attention. I'm not serving in obedience. If we're going to serve God, we can't pick and choose what part of the Bible we want to obey. It don't work that way. If we're going to serve God, we can't choose what days we're going to serve Him or what days we're not. It don't work that way. We're either going to do it or we're not. There are yes or no questions on a lot of tests that I give because I believe in black and white. And it's, it's one or the other. There's not an all of the above. There's not a none of the above. There's not a maybe. It's a yes or a no. And if we're going to serve God, it is a yes or a no. We must crucify the flesh daily. A quote I heard once upon a time, and I don't remember who said it. He said, if we're going to be a Christian, then we must daily die so that Christ may live through us. And if we're going to do that, then, then we have to do it in love. We have to do it in obedience. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord. We have to do it in trust. We have to do it through faith and believing. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. This goes far beyond what we can see, what we can wrap our hands around. If we're going to serve God, if, if we're going to do it heartily, then we have to do it in faith. And trust, believing completely and totally. When the disciples walked with Jesus, and, and it seems like every Sunday we get off on something I'm going to preach in the Sunday school lesson. When the disciples walked with Jesus, they, they had Jesus with them. He performed miracles among them. They got to see him feed a pile of people with a handful of food. Amen. They got to see him walk across the water. They got to see him tell Lazarus, hey, come on out of there. They got to see it. But whenever... Whenever Jesus was no longer with them in body, they were clinging to 100% faith. 
They were clinging to, to the only thing they had left was their belief in him. And they went fishing. Today we have the Holy Spirit to comfort and to guide and to lead us. But we are still clinging to that faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is still where our hope lies. That is still where the foundation of our faith lies. And if we don't trust in God, then we can do nothing for him heartily. Because that's where it all comes back to. And the fourth one is in prayer. If we're going to do anything as unto God, then we have to do it in prayer. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. God is there. God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, which dwells within all of us that are saved people continually and can speak to us, can lead us, to guide us, <laughs> can grab a hold to us and shake us sometimes whenever we're doing something we know we ought not be doing. Whenever we're going in a direction we know we ought not be going. But the Bible says doing it heartily. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. At no point in time in this life are we said, y'all go be people pleasers and don't worry about anything else. I don't find that in between Genesis and Revelations. At no point in time are we to focus on what people think of us as our main concern. Now the Bible says in Proverbs that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Love and favor rather than silver and gold. I've always loved that because that verse, that verse says that we should care about what people think of us. That verse says that we have to care about what people think of us. And I have found myself a lot of times, and my wife gets on to me for it because it's, it's wrong of me, but I'll dress with pants and holes in it. I'll put on a shirt that's got stains on it, and I'll go out to the hardware store. But the thing is that whenever I go to the hardware store, I'm not only representing myself, I'm representing my family. I'm representing my last name, and I'm representing my wife that all the people at the hardware store know. And they asked me, did your wife let you go out in that? I said, no, she got on to me the whole way out the door. I'm representing more than myself. Everywhere I go, everything I do, everything that comes out of my mouth, every action that I make, I'm representing more than myself. We are all representing more than ourselves. We're representing our families more above that. We are representing God. Everything that we do, everything that we say, we are representing the God in heaven. Unto the Lord, not unto me. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5, verse 20, says that we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is someone who goes in the place of, someone who goes as a representative of. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says that we, those of us that call ourselves Christians, those of us who are saved children of God, are ambassadors for Christ. A couple of years ago, I heard a guy say, and it may have been on TV, I don't remember. He said the, the majority of the world see people that call themselves Christians as hypocrites. And they were talking a little bit about why. Why do they say that? Because it takes one person to slip. And it gives a lost world a reason to grab a hold of that and run. One thread. Like on a feed sack. You grab that top right hand corner, you pull it one time, and it jerks the whole thing out. It's gone. It takes one time. The Pharisees and Sadducees followed Christ looking for one mistake and they never could find it. And the world keeps hounding us instead. They keep hounding us. They, they keep looking for a reason to discredit those that call themselves Christians because we represent something that they don't have a part of. We represent something that they don't understand and we represent something that they have yet to be enlightened to. We represent Jesus Christ. We represent the God of heaven. 
and not the God of this world. But whenever we find ourselves worrying about uh, what people think, we need to remember that it does matter what they think. Because what they think shapes their opinion. What their opinion is shapes their belief system. And if somebody thinks of us as a trashy person, if somebody thinks of us as a hypocrite, if somebody thinks of me as somebody that talks out of both sides of my mouth, how can I be a blessing to that person? What people think of me matters. What people think of you matters because, because if we're going to do something, we're going to do it heartily. If we're going to do a job, if we're going to get dressed, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, then we have to do it with all sincerity. We have to do it because people are watching. We have to do it because kids are watching. We have to do it because co-workers are watching. And your life, my life, may be the only Bible somebody ever reads. And are they reading the gospel of Christ? Or are they reading the reflection of what's in this world? Whenever they look at our life, do they see the things that, that, that CNN and NBC and school, Facebook and Chapsnat has to offer? Or do they, do they see a, a person that's trying to live for Christ? Do they see a person that is trying to, to be an ambassador for Christ? One or the other, they're going to see us. It's going to happen every time. 1 Peter in chapter 2 verse 9 says that we are a chosen generation. It says that we are a royal priesthood. It says that we are a peculiar people. You know what that means? I've said it many times. That means that we're different. We're supposed to be. It's not wrong. We're playing from a different rule book. That's, that's all it is. Right and wrong is determined by society. It's determined by opinions whenever we talk about things of this world. But whenever it comes right down to it, right and wrong is determined by God. A God that we know and a God that the world does not. We can't introduce him to us. Or we can't introduce him to them if our heart's not in the right place. If we're not doing all things heartily. If we're not living our life as unto God and not unto men. Because that's who we're serving. That's who we're here for. God is the one that, that, that we come here to worship. That we come here to read and study about. That we open up our Bibles and allow him to speak to us through his word. And through his Holy Spirit. God is the reason we are here. God is the reason we are saved. God is the reason we have Christmas. God is the reason we have Easter. God is the reason we have 4th of July. Did you ever think about that? A man said one time, he said, I wish there was more than two Christian holidays. I said, there is. There's 366 of them. There is. There's 366 Christian holidays because every day we should thank God that he gave us one more. One more opportunity to be a blessing. One more opportunity to reach a lost person. One more opportunity to be better than we were yesterday. One more opportunity to serve Him in a greater way and to walk worthy of our vocation. Ephesians 4.1, to walk worthy of our vocation, of our calling, of what we call ourselves to be. I've always, and a lot of people have problem with the word Christian because the word Christian and the, the simple definition is to be Christ-like. And we'll never get there. But Paul said to strive to be perfect. He said to, to be perfect. Not that we'll ever get there. But if I shoot for a C, if I shoot for a C grade, 75, perfectly average, once I get there, I'm going to stop. But if I shoot for a 101%, I'll never get there, but I'll never stop growing. My baseball coach never told anybody that he was proud of him. 
I resented him for that because nothing was ever good enough for him. Nothing. I played for him for six years and nothing at all was ever good enough for him. He's the best coach I ever had. Because we were never good enough to be good in his eyes. We were never good enough to stop practicing. We were never good enough to slow down. We were never good enough not to come back after a game and run poles because we struck out or made an error. We were never good enough to satisfy him. We are never good enough to satisfy the word of God. That is our standard. That is how we should live our life. This is what we should measure our life against. Not, not measuring up against the deacons of the church. Not measuring up against the pastor. Not measuring up against our parents. Not measuring up against our friends. Certainly not measuring up against folks we see on TV. The influencers. We should be measuring our life unto the word of God. We'll never measure up, but we should never stop growing. <coughs> Verse 24 says, Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. We are guaranteed a reward. If you're here and saved, you are guaranteed a reward. No doubt we'll all be crying when it comes to heaven because we'll see the opportunities that we missed. But at the same time, we'll be rewarded for exactly what we did. Both good and bad, we will be rewarded for what we have done. For what we have done with the opportunities that God gave us. Matthew chapter 6 verse 4 says that thine alms may be in secret. Thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Whatsoever we do, do it heartily. Whether everybody else sees it or not, God sees it and he will reward us openly. Whether or not the rest of the world appreciates it, God does. He said a glass of water given in his name. A glass of water. Everything that we do or say that is for the cause of Christ will be rewarded. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians in chapter 6. Book of Ephesians in chapter 6. Everything that we do has a consequence in the same way everything that we do has a reward. Ephesians 6 verse 8 says, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of where we find ourselves according to this world's standards, if we serve God, then great is our reward. I'm going to read it again, knowing that whatsoever, any little bitty minute saying good morning, holding a door, selling somebody you're praying for them, helping rake leaves in a yard, picking up sticks after a storm, taking somebody a hot meal, a text message with an inspirational verse, anything in the world that is done out of love, that is done out of a heart that is serving Christ, that is done heartily, will be rewarded regardless how big or how small anything any good thing that any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord turn with me if you would to the book of Romans in chapter 6 the book of Romans in chapter 6 not only will all the good things be rewarded if you're here and unsaved you will be rewarded as well Whenever I say reward, I mean a compensation for actions, or rather a, a, a lack of actions. If you're here and unsaved, 
Your reward is the wages of sin. Because each and every person in this building on this earth that lives right now is a sinner. If you're here and saved, your sins have been washed away, but that don't make us any less a sinner. God forgave us for our sins, saved us through Jesus Christ because Jesus paid for our sins. If you're here and lost, Jesus has yet, Jesus has yet to wash yours away because you won't believe in Him. You won't trust in Him. Romans in chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The cost of sin, the cost of being a sinner in this world, the cost of being born into this world is death. He's referring here to the, to the first death. That death comes upon all people. But where it continues to keep going in this verse is where it gets really special. We give gifts during Christmas and sometimes we give gifts during the whole year. But nobody can outgive God. Nobody can give more than what He gave to us. What He continues to give to us. But the gift of God, here we go, is eternal life. You get to skip that second death. You get to skip it right on into heaven. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It is as simple as it sounds. If you're here and unsaved, you are only unsaved because you have not yet received Jesus Christ your Lord into your heart. You are only yet unsaved because you, because you have not believed. On average, there's 12 inches between our brain and our heart. I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind here that God exists. That Jesus Christ exists. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, died on a cross, and was raised from the grave. But until you take that, that knowing that it happened, to believing it, to the saving of your soul, that 12 inches is going to send you straight to hell. It'll do it every time. There's a very, very big difference in knowing and believing. You can know that God exists, but until you believe in Him, until you give your life to Him, until you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, accept your situation as a sinner, then there's nothing there. The Bible says, whatsoever you do, do it heartily. That goes to believing as well. We can't halfway believe and call ourselves a Christian. The same way you can't halfway believe and get saved. It don't work that way. There's nothing in the world that you can do to earn salvation. Nothing at all. It's a gift. Whatever you're given a gift, you didn't, you didn't earn it. Most of the time, we don't deserve it. But people give gifts anyway. Why do they give it? We give gifts out of love. So did God. Gift of God is eternal life. And if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, He'll come into your heart and save you. You'll understand the peace that we sing about. You'll understand the joy that we sing about. You'll understand the Holy Spirit that lives within us to, to guide us, to assure us. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit to comfort her, to bring us peace in a troubled time, to guide us through difficult decisions. Your life will turn around. Everything will change. And all it takes is for you to surrender your life to Christ. Short, sweet, to the point. The plan of salvation is simpler than any other gift. I can't wrap presents. If you get a gift from me, chances are it's either not going to be wrapped or it's going to be in a bag with paper towels or tissue paper shoved in the top because my gift wrapping is terrible. God didn't have to wrap His gift up in paper. He wrapped it up in love and He gave it to us from the goodness of His heart. Amen. And all we have to do is accept it. If you're here and lost, all you have to do is accept it. Jesus Christ did all the hard work. He came and lived. He fulfilled the law. 
He didn't sin from start to finish. Not once did Jesus Christ sin. Not once did he mess up. He lived the perfect life. He was crucified as foretold in the Old Testament. And he died. Just like you and I, Jesus died. A lot of people leave that out because he rose again. But Jesus died the same way you and I did. Why did Jesus die? Because he was paying the the sin debt that I owed. He suffered hell on that cross. Because he took the hell that I deserved. That you deserved. And he took it and he died with it. But the good news is that he conquered it. We celebrate Easter because he conquered it. Because he overcame death. And he rose again. And he did that so that we might live through him. That through him we would have hope in that second resurrection. That through him that we can be born again as a new man. And all we have to do is believe. If you're here and unsaved, I beg with you this morning. That if you're going to get saved, to do it heartily. You can't half believe and get saved. You can't try to do something on your own and get saved. You can't try to live. You you can't try to, to be good enough. You can't try to come to church good enough. You have to stop and give up. Because you can't do it. Amen. God does it. Right. God, for Jesus' sake, will save you. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave freely to us His only begotten Son, that whosoever, anybody from start to finish, old, young, good, and evil, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe. That's all it takes. Believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and He'll save you today. Oh, I have a verse for some.